0: Amen. Yeah. All right. Thank you. So great to be here. Yeah, man. Thank God. He's so good. Thanks for joining us both online and in person. It's great to be in God's house. The youth are meeting this morning. If you want to slide to the back there, they'll take you down to your, uh, your room where you guys will do your service in a time of uh, message. As we do, just want to say thanks. Yeah, today was and is, I guess, till four o'clock, as James mentioned, the pastoral vote. I'm not supposed to talk about it. Um, so I'm not, all I'm going to tell you is that, uh, since we've been here, uh, it'll be 18 years this July 1st that we have been here as your pastor. And, um, it has been by our choice and call that we've asked to have a four year call every, uh, a, a vote every time for people to have their say so and, and be able to vote. So I'm not talking about the vote. I'm talking about the process and why it's there. Uh, members are the only ones that can vote. If you're not a member, you can become one. Uh, you need to be saved, you need to be baptized, you need to commit yourself to following Jesus. Pretty simple membership. Uh, but anyway, uh, what I'm talking about, the reason I'm even bringing that up is because um, throughout my ministry life, I've been voted on as the pastor, and you know, God's calling where we're at and all that kind of stuff. And um, never had a unanimous vote, which is a good thing, you know, I mean, if everybody likes you, then you might not be doing everything right. Uh, <laughs> So, I mean, in the moment, someone might be like, you're a jerk, and I'm voting no. It's okay. I don't care. Uh, I mean, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean, I'm just doing what God's asked me to do, whether you vote for me or not. And so if you tell me to leave, I'll go somewhere else and do what Jesus asked me to do, too. Which I know you're not. I'm not worried about that. God's not done with us. He's doing something, and he's amazing. But see, I don't want to like not give people a voice in what's happening in the church. I think it's important that we together serve Christ and allow him to work in and through us together. And so we want you to know that we, you matter and you have value and we're looking for what God wants to do with us. And so that's what I'm looking for. And so as we look at the message from today and what God's doing, I want you to know that we've been being challenged by God through the scriptures about our, meaning me personally, and you personally, um, role that God has called you to. Every one of us, if we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we see it scripturally, we've been doing this teaching, that it is our call by God to be his ministers or missionaries to the place that you live, work, and exist. You have a circle of influence around you that God has placed you there. If you are a born-again Christian, are you? I mean, we could start there because the altar is open if you want to get that one started. So it's important that we know that. See, we know Jesus. And then once we accept Jesus, God's word says that he fills us with the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be baptized in our faith and we move forward. And then God is using us as his light to the world of darkness around us. And so you are called to the ministry, You may not ever preach from a platform, but you are called to the ministry, and your life is the most important message you'll ever preach to anyone. Living for Jesus will be seen by people, and they will know something's different about you, and they will be drawn to that because Jesus said that he would draw all people to himself. Therefore, they should naturally be drawn to you because you have Jesus. If people are trying to stay away from you, maybe they don't want Jesus. Or maybe you don't have enough, Jesus. Anyway, (laughs) we. so you know, we've been going through the scriptures, and I love how God does stuff because it's not me. When it's me, it doesn't normally work. You know, it's God. And when God does it, and I step back and let him do it, he does everything perfectly. So if this is your first Sunday, or maybe the first time you ever watched us online, I'm not a... um, I'm not a normal pastor, but I pastor a a not-a-normal church, and so uh, we are called by God to this place because we know we need His help, and it's Jesus that we need, right? So we know that. So we're changing and being transformed all the while, and I haven't arrived, nor have you. That's why we're together. You will arrive if you stay true to Jesus and you go to heaven. But right now, we're going to continue on this journey and let God work in and through us so that we can do what he's asked us to do. So together, we're accomplishing God's call on our lives together. So I want you to know that you are part of something bigger than yourself, so am I. And it's God's work that we are called to. And I'm excited to be a part of that. And I want to continue in that journey with him and see what God is doing. So a few weeks ago, if you were here, you know... In both services, I asked my wife to come up and join us and we did a commissioning and we extended our hands over you to commission you to the ministry that God has called you to. Now, as we look at that and we're following along in the book of Acts, this is what I think is, um, I mean, it's always amazing, but I just want you to know that I didn't plan any of this like to go like it is. I don't have a preaching calendar. If you have been with the church or a pastor that has that and you kind of have series that you follow and it's all planned out. I don't have anything planned out. Uh, I mean, I know Easter's in a couple weeks. I know we plan to have a ministry fair today uh, that's all around. That's why the tables are set up around here. And we just put it on the calendar. So we did put that on the calendar maybe more than a month ago, uh, talking about it and saying, let's do this. Okay, let's do it on March 26th. So today's the 26th, right? Okay. Yeah. So March 26th and we did it. Okay, but when we did that, I didn't like, hey, let's plan this, let's do this, let's talk about these scriptures. No, but God did. I want you to know this, that what God is speaking to us through his word, it's God. It's not Dave, it's God. And if you will listen and hear what he's saying, you're going to know it's him. And it's not me, it's not us, it's him. It's so cool what he does, though, as we're walking along on this journey. So as we're looking at that, you know, we see in the the beginnings of the church. And we started there because the commissioning was that Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to have power and you're going to be my witness. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. So when Jesus gave that commissioning to his followers, that's all of us. He said, you're going to be first a witness at home. So that's your home space, right? Right. So that's Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem is our zip code, where we live. And then Judea is the surrounding region. So like for us that are here in this Tucson community, that would be like Pima County. So, you know, and then it's like, and go on out, Samaria in the uttermost parts of the earth, so the state of Arizona and around the globe. So God has called us to be his witness to these regions. Wherever we are, we're to be his witness. And we're supposed to effectively represent him in those places and sharing with the power of the Holy Spirit who he is and what he's done in our life. All right, so we move along with this. See Now, as we watch that happening in the church, we saw in the book of Acts where we follow the falling of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two. They go out and preach Jesus in power. People are saved and baptized, 3,000 the first day. God's moving, there's a move of God happening in Jerusalem. 5,000 men, they're counting now in the church. People are getting saved every day. God's up to something. They arrest the apostles because they're preaching Jesus. Remember, church, they they don't want you to hear Jesus. Nobody wants anybody to speak Jesus. They want you to say God because anybody can serve a God And when you can say it, you can generically cloak yourself as spiritual when you say serve God or a higher power or something. No. But once you distinguish who God is, when you say Jesus, it's like, whoa, everybody kind of cringes a little bit. That's because he is the one and only Savior of the world. He's it. Now, church, listen. My wife and I were privileged. Our middle son, Dale, is a Border Patrol agent. He's uh, been given a higher rank and put in another position in there. And uh, we're extremely proud of him, and we love that, that he does that. We went to that ceremony for him, and it was very cool to be a part of that. You know, they sang the uh, Star Spangled Banner, and they did the Pledge of Allegiance. They did the stuff that used to be part of everybody's life in America. It was pretty cool to be a part of that. And then they had the, um, the guy come up there to do the prayer, right? So... He prays a prayer, and he, he prayed an awesome prayer. He was. He was like, Father, we come to you, and we're doing this. We're asking you for your help, your protection, your blessing on this time together. Came to the end of his prayer, and he said, in, we ask these things in the name of, and he, he literally stopped. And he said, in your name, amen. I knew he was going to say in the name of Jesus, but he didn't. Because he'd been instructed, you don't do that. Now, I didn't go talk to him. I knew. I mean, come on, guys, you know this. We hear that. See, it's okay to pray to God, it's okay to talk to God, but don't mention the name Jesus. This is exactly what was happening in the book of Acts 2,000 years ago. Talk about God, meet together, worship God, don't talk about Jesus. So as 2,000 years ago, when this was going on, they bring the apostles in and they're like, we're telling you no longer will you speak the name of Jesus. And that's our policy. You probably have one of those in your life somewhere. And they go out and they pray and they keep preaching Jesus anyway because that's what God's called them to do. So they arrest them again, they beat them this time and tell them, we told you not to and we're threatening you, it's going to get worse if you keep doing this. And they go out and they pray every single time they're challenged, they pray first and then they keep doing it because it's all about Jesus. And so as we watch that happening, we see the church is growing, the message of Christ is growing, the threats aren't stopping, the move of God, they can't. And that's all the devil has is a big mouth, by the way. He can, you know, flicked us a little bit physically. So what? God's bigger than all that. Alright, so here's what's happening. The Spirit of God is moving, and we went into Acts chapter 6 last week, and what happens in the midst of a growing, rapidly, god move thing? People start complaining. Alright, so what we looked at last week is how, in the midst of a move of God, people start to complain because they're looking at stuff and there's division, Rather than keeping focused on Jesus. Okay. Just want you to know complaining's easy. It's so easy. I mean, I guarantee you if I, I was like, okay, I'm going to give everyone here a three-by-five card. You can tell us what's wrong in the church, what we need to do differently. You don't have to put your name. We would have a full ballot box of suggestions, suggestions to make it better. <laughs> right? So it's easy to see what's wrong, all right? And so like, what I could tell you is that if you would give me 10 minutes, I can fix you because I know what's wrong with you and I'm going to help you get better. And so what we think is that we know all the answers. And so when we, we're we're not going to come up to somebody usually and say like, this is what's wrong with you. You need to change, right? No, instead what we do is we go over here and tell someone else what's wrong with you and that you need to change. And, and so what's happening in the church is this growing disgruntleness of complaining begins to grow. And by the way, this is not the topic of today. It's just touching on last week, so don't complain. You already heard this. Acts six, right? Listen to what God's word says. Listen to it. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So what we see here is that act of division. Begin if you see people different than you. See, Jesus said that the enemy is all about division. He's all about unity. Jesus is. So the reason why Jesus came is to unify us in relationship with the Father, right? And when we're unified in relationship with the Father, we're made one with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and with one another. That's what God does. He unifies. The devil divides. He's trying to cause division and separation. He wants every marriage messed up. He wants every town messed up. He wants every church divided. He wants people separated at every angle. That is why when we look out into the world, we see the message that is being pushed is They're this and you're that. You're not the same. Constantly. It's everywhere. We know that, right? I mean, there's this whole thing about dividing. We're going to divide you racially. We're going to divide you economically. We're going to divide you politically. We're going to divide you every way we can because there is strength in unity. There is. God knows what he's doing and he knows what he's talking about. And the enemy wants to divide everything. That's why he's always attacking. And Jesus said that a house can't stand when it's divided, a city can't stand when it's divided, a nation can't stand when it's divided. Yeah, right. We've seen the crumbling of the home in America because the enemy has caused division. Men don't need women. Women don't need men. We don't need families. We don't need kids. We don't need that. You know, it's about me, what I want. Anyway, we could go off on that, but we're going to stay on track. So we look at the scriptures, and they're saying like there's this complaining that's coming up in the body, saying that their widows were being discriminated against the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. Okay, so stay with me now. So this is what's happening. The grumblings are happening, right? And so they're like, okay, we're going to have a church meeting. Everybody come together. And this is what they said. We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God and not running a food program. Okay, no. That doesn't mean a food program is a bad thing and that you shouldn't have one. What they said was, we're not called to do that. And you guys are complaining about it because it's not being done. And for some reason, they were looking to, it's obvious, the apostles to take care of the problem, correct? Correct? I mean, obviously, they're calling together saying, look, uh, we're going to fix this problem, but it's, it's not really for us to do. Let's stay with what God's word says, because see, this is there's so much that we need in the church today from the word of God, if we just pause and do it. Listen to what it says. So the 12 called the meeting of the believers. They said, we apostles should not spend our time teaching, uh, I'm sorry, we apostles should spend our time teaching teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Isn't that awesome? So listen, church, there was a genuine need. There was something not right. We'll grant that. Okay, we tell you every week we're not a perfect church. We know we have needs, but they're not going to get fixed because you complain about them. All right. And they're not going to get fixed because you come and say, Pastor Dave, you need to do this or that or that. I have a calling on my life and it's not to run a food program. Okay. That's what the word of God says. And I'm not making light of that. I'm saying, look, here's the deal. When we look at what God's word says, we have to come to a solution that is biblical. And it's right here in the word of God. This is the birth of of what is technically called lay ministry. Now, I'm not a person that likes those terminology where it's clergy and lay people. It's like a separation. I don't like that. Okay, but I want you to hear it for the clarity of what God's word actually teaches us. In this chapter, what we're seeing is the action of the new covenant, the new church, the new plan of God unfolding before our very eyes. Within the Old Testament, service in ministry was only done by the tribe of Levi. Levi had distinguished themselves by standing for God when the rest of the tribes were all like messing up. And so God called that entire family unit, which became one of the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel, to be the ministers in the tabernacle and the temple. Nobody else served within the church, just so you understand. Nobody but the tribe of Levi, God distinguished them and gave them that. But see, now that we've moved into a new covenant, where Jesus is the high priest and no longer is there a human being as the high priest, God is giving us a new form of worship and a new way of worship and a new way for everything to function. So God's the one that's doing this. So what we see here is that God is calling the church to be what we've been called to be. Called in the power of God to have a relationship with him. So through Jesus Christ, God ripped open that veil, giving every single person access to the Father, no longer needing a person to come before him. We all come before him. But in that call that he's given us to come before him, he's also called us to serve him. So he is calling us into personal ministry. And this is what God is asking for us in this new covenant. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, we have been given a call to serve Him as part of His family, His body, the church. So when we see in the scriptures, see uh, ministry was open beyond the apostles and the prophets. God is opening a door for all of us to see that He's calling us into ministry. So it's not just that we swing the doors open and say, everybody can do everything now. No, there were expectations. There are biblical expectations for us to serve God in and through his church and to people outside the church. So let's hear what he tells us. He says, select seven men who are well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. Okay, so he's saying like, there's some things that are required here. They have to be people of integrity. They have to be filled with the Holy Spirit and they have to be wise. So you see, just because you're filled with the Spirit doesn't make you wise. We become wise as we grow and be obedient to the Spirit. And so as we look at this, he's saying there's something important for us to understand, church. Before we get all hung up on the male chauvinistic ideas that sometimes happen in the church, it wasn't just for men to serve. He was addressing men. And if you know the Middle Eastern cultures today, if you look, some cultures do not allow women to even be educated today. So we don't get hung up on that. In the church of, the, of Jesus Christ in the United States, growing up in the church myself and seeing what was happening around the churches, many men checked out a long time ago, part of that division, and they stayed out of the church and women had to run things or the church would not have existed, period. Now, that's, I'm serious when I say this. A lot of times I joke. It's, I'm not talking about this church. No, I'm talking about this church right now. God is moving in the men, and I see it, and you guys are awesome, and I'm so grateful for you being here, for real. It's awesome. But if you look, see, now when we read the scriptures right there, remember we were talking about a food ministry? Do you remember that? So he's saying the men, men you should look for some guys that will run that. So the unique thing about that, as I stepped back and I was thinking about it, I was saying, you know, a lot of churches have uh, food ministries, uh, food pantry type things. A lot of churches do, compassion ministries. And I know this. The vast majority of them are run by women. I'm grateful for that. But guys, you know, it's like for some reason we've got some things in our head where like that's women's work. I mean, that's I'm serious. That's part of what's happened in our culture. And we see certain things as not our place. And it's like, look, man, God has called us to serve him in the places of need, regardless of where they are. There's no such thing as men's work and women's work. It's the work of the kingdom of God, and he's calling us to do it. So we should be stepping up in every area that God has provided for us to serve him in. Okay? So, I mean, we just need to see that for what it is. But it's not like this whole message about that. I want us to see it because it's important. And I'd be happy to talk to you about that. If you want to disagree with me, no problem. We'll talk about it. Not right now, later. All right. So let's move on then. So the reputation of being people of integrity is important. So your life lived outside the church, needed to match what you were in the church. Hello? You think? You think? Yeah, he's like, if you're going to be a leader of a ministry, you need to have that kind of life when you're away from the church as well as when you're in it. What in the world? Seriously, we got to teach that? Yeah, we do. Okay. Not just that, but they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? Oh, man. It's really important, church, that we understand that, that it's like we need the Holy Spirit to be able to do anything For the glory of God, for the building of his church, to do any kind of true service for him. It must be spirit led. The important thing for us to see is that it says, well, there's a lot of important things, but I want us to understand this right here. We apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. So for some reason, we have, like, again, I'm just, I'm gonna blame the pastors of the churches, the hierarchy, the leaders of churches where we've been like, it's right there in the Bible, and we haven't followed it. Like, I can tell you right now, because I I have relationships with pastors, and I've worked with them through the years, and I know the challenges that I've been faced with, and I will just tell you, too many pastors are not spending time in prayer in the Word of God, because they're trying to do everything else that needs to be done in the church and in people's lives. Okay, I'm not saying that's okay. I'm not saying it's the people's fault. I'm telling you it's the pastor's fault. We have to spend time with God in prayer and in the word of God. Otherwise, we can't teach, live, or be what God's asked us to be. And then where can the church go if we're not doing that ourselves? Okay, church, see, somehow we've lost track of this. Somehow we have. We've had the idea, almost like the Old Testament priests and Levites, that we pay you to do the jobs. Now, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm talking about being in the the Word, being in the church today. So let's see this. See, what's happened is a lot of pastors end up having, not having, pastors get themselves in trouble by doing things they shouldn't do. And they try and meet the needs of the whole church, Instead of meeting the need that God has given to them already, and that is their relationship with Him. And if you follow, you'll see many pastors have fallen in sin. And I guarantee you, 100% of the time, they have neglected their time with God. 100%. I don't care who they are. You will not fall if you spend time with God. Look, I'm not, that's not an arrogant statement on my part. That's God. He says, "Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you." Resist the devil, and he'll flee. That's biblical, right? So, if you're spending time with God, you're going to see the devil for who he is. Okay, church. So, let, y'all can say a bunch of amens about this. I don't. I mean, I mean that in a good way. Like a lot of pastors are jacked up, and um, and in their brokenness. They want to feel better about themselves and so if they try and be Jesus for you, they feel better about themselves because you look to them. Now you should look to them only to have them point you to Jesus. If you're looking to them, you and they have a problem because it's Jesus. So a lot of pastors have tried to meet everyone's needs. They've tried to run the food pantry so to speak they've tried to navigate through all the outreach stuff and doing this and doing that and all that, and at the, at the neglect of prayer and the word of god and so somehow we've got to get back to the biblical call that god has placed upon us where we see the leaders of the church spending the vast majority of their time in prayer in the word of god and once that happens we'll see god moving in the church So I know this for a fact. I'm not just talking, okay? I've been a pastor for a lot of years. I went to seminary later in life, not that long ago. While I was your pastor, I actually went to get my Master's of Divinity. And I was in a classroom with, um, I think there was 32 pastors in the room. And I think I've said this to you guys before, but I was sitting in that room, and one of our assignments, we had a two-week intensive, and was to read the book of Jonah, We were to do some specific things and have a paper written about that the next day when we come together. So the professor starts the conversation about the book of Jonah, and it's a very tiny book in the Old Testament. And one of the guys, it was a man, they were from different denominations and churches, spoke out loud, I didn't even know that vine died at the end of that, that was crazy, Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. I am not. I just want you to know, like at the end of that book, there's some God shows Jonah how wrong he is and what he's thinking. And part of that was a vine dying. And this guy says this right out loud. He's a, he's a pastor, a leader of a church. He's in seminary to get his Master of Divinity degree. I didn't even know how the book of Jonah ended. You see what the apostles said? We need to pray and teach God's word. I'm like, I I honestly, I was sitting there thinking there's a punchline coming. This guy's making a joke. I'm just waiting for it. Because you know, there's always a class clown, even in seminary. Somebody's going to do something like that. Nope. No punchline. Not only was there not a punchline, he got an amen from someone over here that said, yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? I didn't know that either. And now we wonder what's wrong with the church. We're talking about these are the leaders of the church that are supposed to be representing Jesus and they don't even know what the Word of God says in one of the most basic Bible stories of the Old Testament, one of the shortest books to read, and they don't even know how it ended. Church, the Word of God says, hey, the leaders of the church need to be spending their time in prayer in the Word of God. What in the world? So now... The the pastors will get together and say, you know, like our whole culture is going to hell. Church isn't doing it. I got to do it all. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, where are you reading in God's word right now? What is God saying to you personally? Where's your prayer life like? What is going on there? Church, it's right there in the word of God. Now I'm not just talking about pastors because I know I'm not talking to a bunch of them. Just hear me out. Look, this is how we've jacked up the church. We have messed up God's perfect plan. My highest priority in my life above everything and anyone else, and that includes my wife or anyone else, is my relationship with God. And that I am to be given myself to prayer and the word of God so that I can be everything he's asked me to be. When I am that, I'm the best husband I'll ever be. I'll be the best pastor I could ever be. When that is my highest call and my priority, and I put it there, and I'm not allowing myself to be distracted by everything else, that's where it works, because that's God's way. Now together, when we keep going, and we're going to, together we do the ministry of the church. So we'll see this in God's word. So together now, we're going to continue forward and do this thing that God's asked us to do. And it gives clear outline. Again, I don't know how we've screwed this up, but we have. But in Ephesians 4, God gives us an amazing outline of how this looks. Listen to it, church. We're reading it right out of the Bible. This isn't Dave doing a commercial. This is God speaking his word to us. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So this is like the five-fold leaders of the church that Christ has given to the church. So just time out for a second real fast. I'm not going to keep you here all day, so just don't worry about that, but listen. Um, we've even messed up the terminology we use because we call everybody pastor. <laughs> That's only one of the five offices that Jesus gave to the church to help us as we navigate through this thing, right? So it's like, we, in our um, culture, have seen whoever preaches from the platform or o- whoever oversees youth or the family ministries or whatever, we've seen all of those people as pastor. And that's okay, it's just a word we use. I'm just saying what we've messed up, though, is we haven't seen that there's actually five full offices. So let's, I can, I'm just going to really fast just say some things here, like, An apostle oversees multiple churches. So, right now, because we have Village of Oak Creek, we have Gospel Rescue Mission, we have those things outlined, like I am filling the role of an apostle as a leader of the church is around. Now, as we speak the word of God, it is fulfilling the office of a prophet because one who speaks the word of God. Okay, so now then, we have evangelists, those that share their faith and reach people for Christ. We also have pastors, those are shepherds, those are the ones that meet the people's needs and care for people that are broken. So it's not just a position in the church, it's people that serve others to meet their needs and their capacity of shepherding. And teachers, of course, like leaders of small groups and Bible study teachers and stuff like that. So what Jesus said is, I'm giving you a gift, church, I'm going to give you people that are equipped to do something for you and with you. What is it that he's doing? He tells us right here in the Word. The apostles, the prophets and evangelists, the pastors and teachers, the leaders of the church here, as we see that, now we read to the next verse, their responsibility is to equip, to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. See, this is what I mean. Like, we've, we haven't done this right. Um... Pastors, for some reason, I've thought they, they have to do the ministry of the church, and they got to keep having people come back to that church, and then they're successful if people just show up. When the Word of God says that our responsibility is to equip everybody to do the work for God and His kingdom, whatever that is. So it's like we need to be giving you what you need as far as education, spirit, Uh, worship, teaching, correction, all those things, so that we can actually do what God's asked us to do. Okay. So, as we navigate through the Scriptures, we see that God is indeed calling each of us to ministry, right? I mean, it's right there. The body of Christ is to do the work of the Father, which is to build up the church, which is the body of Christ. So some people think they don't need to go to church to serve God. And I'm going to tell you, like, read your Bible. Because it says that. We need to come together as the body of Christ, the church, so that we can be equipped to serve him together and do the work of the ministry. It's right there in the Bible. So this will continue until we come to such unity in our face and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Wow, isn't that amazing? Did you hear that, church? Do you see what that just said to us? It's like we're supposed to be coming together, united together by the Spirit of God for the purpose of God to build up His church for God, doing what He's asked us to do, and uniting together, not dividing, uniting, so that we can mature and become like Christ. This is why I continually talk about how we're supposed to change, we're supposed to grow, we're supposed to become more like Christ. This is why there's got to be the surrender, trust, and obey moments because I've got to have less of me and more of him in this walk with him so that I can represent Christ and be like him. Church, so it's a call of God for us to be changed, to be more like Christ all the time. If we're not growing and changing and maturing in our faith, we're not doing what God's asked us to do. Because the word of God, we just read it, says that we should be uniting, coming together, maturing, and becoming more like Christ. That's the word of God. That's not Dave. That's not a mantra we're using. It's God's word. And that's what we're supposed to be doing together. If you're not more like Christ than you were last Sunday, then you messed up. Because God's leading us on a journey to be more like Christ. And therefore, we should be more like Christ. And if you're not more like Christ, you've probably taken your eyes off doing what God's asked you to do, and you're probably starting to complain. Just a thought. Listen to what the Word of God says in Ephesians 4.14. Then, when it's referencing then, it's saying as we unite and we mature and become more like Christ, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Man, isn't that beautiful? You know what the problem with the church? We're not growing and healthy because we haven't united together in the first place of surrender and doing what God's asked us to do. He says it's going to happen. When we do it God's way, it gets healthy. It grows. And we do stuff in love. It's right there in the Word, man. So... We're supposed to be growing and maturing in our faith. So when we hear things that don't sound like truth, you'll know it's not truth. We have false faiths all over the place. People talking about everything other than Jesus. People talking about Jesus and something else. It's Jesus only. Come on, church. It's Jesus only. And so when people say spiritual things and those spiritual things sound good to us, we should know what God's word says, and the Holy Spirit will be able to nudge us and say, whoa, something ain't right there. We know it's not right because the Spirit's inside of us and He is in perfect alignment with the Word of God and the truth. And therefore, when we hear something that doesn't like feel right, sound right, it's either conviction or it's not right. And we need to know what that is. It's either God convicting me that I need to get right, or God saying, like, that ain't right. Right? Follow along on that one, (laughs) okay. So, we need to know the difference between truth and tainted truth because it sounds spiritual, doesn't mean it is spiritual. There are lying spirits out there that are trying to mimic the Holy Spirit. God's word tells us that, and it also tells us that we need to try the spirits that they are of God. So, it's not like just oh, I feel something, let's step into this. No, don't you dare. Step in anything that you just feel. You need to know what the Spirit of God is saying. And people are like, I don't know what the Spirit of God is saying. And well, first off, are you guys saved? Are you born again? Yes. If you are, the only way you got saved was the Holy Spirit's the one that drew you to God. Therefore, you do know because He convicted you and said, You need God. And you're like, I need God. Oh, Jesus, help me. You made a way and then you got saved and then the Holy Spirit comes and fills you and he comes in there and affirms that you're a child of God and that affirmation of the Spirit tells you you're a child of God and you know him. He's also that voice that when you come over here and no one's around and the enemy's like, hey, you know, that's not that bad. You can do that. It's the Spirit that says no. No. It's also that lying voice that you can discern when it's trying to get you to compromise on something that the Spirit of God has already said. So we need to know this, church, and the only way we're going to know that is if we are maturing in our walk with God. We don't expect a little child to know everything, do we? No, God's Word tells us that we have to mature and grow so that we don't become childlike and be just following whatever whim or feeling we have in the moment. We need to grow up so that when we hear truth, we know what truth is. And when we hear a lie, we know what a lie is. (laughs) So we need to grow in order to know the Holy Spirit's affirmation of truth. Any spiritual teaching that does not have Christ at the center or pointing to Christ is wrong teaching. I don't care how God it sounds. If it's not pointing towards Jesus and Jesus is not the center of it, it is not right teaching it is Jesus only church it is he is the one and only Savior of the world no matter what so when Jesus was teaching on the Holy Spirit coming In John 16, which we often reference John 14, 15, and 16 because Jesus was telling us about what the Holy Spirit was going to do. This is what Jesus said in John 16, the last part of verse 15. He said, The Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. So the Holy Spirit will only affirm who Jesus is and what He does, and that we are to be part of what Jesus is all about. He's not going to tell us something that contradicts what Jesus is all about. That's what I'm saying. See, church, we can know the truth because the truth will always lead to Jesus and we'll know the Holy Spirit because it will always lead us to Jesus because it's speaking about Jesus and leading us into that relationship with God that is only available through Jesus. All right? So that's how we know this truth. God's Word says so, and Jesus is like, this is the way it works. You don't have to be confused. You don't have to be misled. Stay with the truth of what God says and you're going to be right. Therefore... The Holy Spirit will never teach anything contrary to the gospel because he's only going to speak what Jesus says. (laughs) Okay, so this then, of course, leads us to that surrender and understanding that our relationship with God leads us to serving him in ministry. All of us. Okay, so let's see what God's word teaches us about this, that it's all about him and not about me. It's not about me, it's not about us, it's all about him. If I died tomorrow, nothing is going to change about the word of God, who Jesus is, or what God wants to do in this church. I hope you understand that. It is not about me, it's not about us, it's all about him. And so if he takes me out tomorrow, then he has a plan. Trust him. I'm going to go sometime. I'm not asking him to take me or anything. I just know it's going to happen. I'm praying for the return of Christ instead so I don't have to die. But a lot of other people have prayed that prayer and they died. So (laughs) I'm just telling you, it's not about us. It's all about him. So now let's follow along with what it said here, right? Looking in the Scriptures. This is what the word of God said to us, growing in every way, more and more like Christ. Growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So you see, it's like, it's not just growing in church, it's not just growing around church people, it's growing in every way more like Christ. Remember how when they were looking for those leaders of ministry, they were like, they need to already have integrity. They need to be seen as people that are filled with the Spirit and wise. There has to be a life outside the body that, that mirrors the life inside the body. And so when we're looking at this, it's like, we need to be more and more like Christ. We are growing in this relationship with Him, which is less Dave and more Him. Huh. So what does it look like to be Christ-like. I mean, literally, like, what does it look like? So we look in the Word of God and He gives us this glorious picture of what it looks like to be like Jesus. In John 13, we see the scriptures that teach us this. After washing their feet, He, that's Jesus, put on His robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? Well, church, they were clueless like so many of us today. You call me teacher and Lord and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So you want to be like Christ? It's no longer about you. It's about meeting the needs of the people around you. And how do we do that? What is the way that it is done? We lead by example by the way that our heart is, the way our life is. That you see, Jesus was Lord and teacher. He is Lord and teacher. But he took the lowest form of a servant that is known in their culture of the day, the foot washer, took off his robe that was given to him, that signified him as a a teacher and someone important, and got down on his knees and washed the apostles' feet. And Jesus did this knowing that those were the feet that would run away from him in his hour of need. He's like, you want to be my followers? This is how it's done. You wash feet. So you see, when we look at this, it's not like Jesus is telling us this is what it looks like. You go wash feet, people's feet. No, I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. Don't misunderstand me. But he was teaching a lesson about the servant heart of the people that follow him. What he was showing us is there's no place that we can't serve. There's no job we shouldn't do. There's nothing that we should see ourselves as above when there is a need. We should see it and meet it. And that's the heart of Christ. And so let's just pause for a second and say, yes, there's a lot of needs around us. What is God asking you to do in meeting the needs that are around you? You can't meet every need because you're not God, neither am I. But what is it that God is pointing out to say, you need to meet this need? It's you, you're the one to wash the feet in that area. (laughs) We have a broken culture that is filthy dirty and they're looking for Anything to satisfy them. And God has called us to meet that need by sharing Jesus with them boldly and strongly, church. We've got to be his servants in every way. Okay, we're we're at our action steps. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to confess your sins, repent, and receive him as your Savior today. He is the one and only Savior of the world. There is no other way. Being spiritual will never cut it. It's being saved, and it's the only thing. The altar is always open for this. Those of you that are online, you can contact us if you want help with this in prayer. But we want you to know the altar is open. You can bow your head where you are. You can receive Christ as your Savior. You in the house, we ask you to come forward because you need to make a step step forward and saying, my life needs to change and he's the answer. Now, church, the question for you is, are you more like Christ today than you were last week? If you aren't, what's got messed up? You need to make it right. And so the altar's open for that. The next question is, how are you fulfilling God's call to bring others to know Jesus? How are you doing that? Where's that at in your life? Because he has called you to reach others for Jesus Christ. So what does that look like? Where's it at? How's that working for you? How are you serving within the body of Christ to build up the church? Again, see, that wasn't all set up for me because we're having a ministry thing today. No, God did this. Church, I'm just telling you, it's God that did this. And you need to be praying. We're not. Don't do anything out of guilt, shame, or like, oh, I got to do this now to prove. No, don't want that. God doesn't want that. It's like, how can I serve God in what areas and in what capacity he's asking me? Let's do that. Would you stand with me, church? Whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, the altar's open. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for speaking into my life. Thank you for convicting me. Forgive me for where I've stepped in the wrong places and tried to do too much in my flesh. Forgive me, God. Oh, God, please make this body, this expression of who you are called Christian Faith Fellowship. Make us the church you died to make us. Unite our hearts together, God. Lord, truly let it be all about Jesus and not about us. Thank you. It is in your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Thank you for being here today, church. God bless you. We love you. If you want to, like, you can check out what's happening at these tables. The people aren't here right now. They were between services. I'm going to see if they'll do it again next week for us, but check it out. God bless you. Let's have an amazing week with him.